you're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit thespringmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Hi, everybody. My name is Gail Parker. I'm one of the pastors at the Spring in Tempe. And... um, And my claim to fame is that I'm Luke's mom. (laughs) It's always good to be with you. And um, gosh, you have a wonderful leadership team here. And just, you're just a great group of people. So really, really grateful to be here this morning. I wanted to um, start this morning by just reading a little passage from a book called Seculacity by David Zoll. He says... Listen carefully, and you'll hear that word enough everywhere, especially when it comes to the anxiety, loneliness, exhaustion, and division that plague our moment to such tragic proportions. You'll hear about people scrambling to be successful enough, happy enough, thin enough, wealthy enough, influential enough, desired enough, charitable enough, woke enough, good enough. We believe instinctively that were we to reach some benchmark in our minds, then value and vindication and love would be ours, that if we got enough, we would be enough. We are in a sermon series that we're calling How to Wreck Your Life. And just realizing that even amongst um, Christian people, people who, who love the Lord, it's really easy to get sucked into some of the things that our culture tells us that we need in order to be enough. And, and to look for our value, our, our, our okayness, our sense of meaning in life, our enoughness, in things that are good, but can't give us that. Things like family, um, things like friends, things like um, adventure and travel and leisure, things like physical fitness even, things that we, we set goals for and we think if we get there, we'll just be enough. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is how to wreck your life, make it all about achieving your goals. Because that's one of the things that we do to, to try to sense like, if I just get there, I'll be okay. I'll be enough. And the key word there is all. That's the key word in every sermon in this series. Goals are good. It's important to set goals. Um, They help us make progress. They help focus our lives. So they're, they're not bad. But what Jesus says in this scripture that I'm about to read is so important. And this is what I want to talk about this morning. Strive for upward goals. Strive for kingdom goals. So this, I'm reading from uh, Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, 
Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who sent me to be, to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then he told him a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Lord, we are hungry to hear a word from you. So would you speak your word and help it not just go into our ears, but deep into our being, that you might form us and transform us by it. And I pray that my words would be faithful to yours. In the name of Jesus, amen. Um, in the best-selling book, Into Thin Air, the author, John Krakauer, um, writes about the ill-fated expedition to the summit of Mount Everest in 1996. And in it, he, um, he mentions this woman from Japan who was on the expedition. Her name is Yasuka Namba. And um, he says that she was driven to achieve her goal to get to the top of Mount Everest. Focused. And she, she did it. She made it to the top. She expended all her energy getting to the top, and then there was this huge blizzard that came, and if you know this story, many died, and she was among the ones who froze to death in that blizzard because she had, uh, she'd made it to the top, but she didn't have enough left to, to fight what she had to fight on the way down. And Krakauer, when he writes about this, says that she lost her life because she had the wrong goal. That her goal was to get to the top, but every good, experienced mountain climber knows that, that that's the wrong goal. That the goal is to make it back down. The man in this parable that Jesus told had the wrong goal. His goal was to build a bigger barn to store all his stuff with no regard for God or no regard for other people either. Hoarding is never a kingdom goal, ever. 
it starts this, this text starts with this young, younger of two brothers coming to Jesus saying, hey, make my brother basically give me my inheritance. And Jesus must have sensed some covetousness on the part of the request. He bypasses the request, but he uses that as a, as a, a teaching opportunity. And he says this, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Now, the Greek word translated greed there can, can be about wealth, but it also can be about achieving higher social status. It has a, it has a sense to us of, of being insatiable. If I am setting goals in my life so that if I reach them, I will be enough, I will be okay, my life will have meaning, they are insatiable goals. If I get there, I either need to set a new one or... I've got to maintain what I, what I got. If my goal was to get X amount of money in the bank account, then I have to keep it. I have to maintain that. If my goal is to reach a certain physical fitness and exercise, and it's, my life is all about that, and certainly exercise can be a religion. Man, if I get it, if I reach it, then I have to, at minimum, minimum I have to maintain it. And if I don't, my life crumbles if that if my life is all about that my life crumbles what jesus is saying here is don't go after the wrong goals strive for goals of the kingdom the man in the parable is already rich he has more than he needs and then god blesses him with this bumper crop and his problem is what do I do with the bumper crop? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barn and, and build bigger ones. He has this internal dialogue with himself. And it's so interesting if you listen carefully. He thought to himself, what did I do? I have no place to store my crops. I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to myself, you hear that? Me, my, 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 I. It's all about me and mine. He's confusing stewardship with ownership. He thinks it's all his. And God has gifted him. God has blessed him with abundance. But there's a difference between stewardship and ownership. God has blessed you and me with so many gifts. Financial gifts. Friends. Family. Knowledge that we have about things that we've been trained to know or experienced in. So many, many gifts. But scripture is very, very clear that when God gives those gifts, God still maintains the ownership of those gifts. He is the, the Lord. And whether you believe that or not, there will be a day, scripture says, when you'll bow your knee. Everyone will. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So what 
the gifts we've been given, which are myriad and so generous of God to give what he's given, we're to steward those the way God would want us to steward those. Man, when we get it, when we get that backwards and we think that we own all of the gifts we've been given, it is so easy to start then setting the wrong goals. And, and the culture all around us is just going to encourage that. It's so easy. The Middle East is a, is a communal culture. It was and it is today. And so commentators point out that if this were a real man and not just a parable that Jesus was telling, if this, if this was something that really happened, the man would go to the community, to his friends, and he'd have the discussion over what should I do with all this abundance that God has given me. He would have that with friends. And, and he would come to a decision about what to do with all of this in community. And so it's, it's glaring that he doesn't go anywhere with that. He has this discussion with himself. He is in isolation. Uh, maybe he's lonely. We don't know the backstory of his life. But he's absolutely isolated. And it's out of that warped perspective that he makes the decision that he makes. I'm just going to tear down my barns and I'll build a bigger one. To me, one of the saddest and perhaps most frightening things about this story is the man doesn't know that he has a problem. And it's made me think, as I've been thinking on this scripture this week, where in my life do I have stewardship and ownership mixed up? Where in my life am I setting goals because I need affirmation that I'm enough and I don't even know I have a problem? And maybe... Maybe you could ask that question of yourself as well. Where maybe I, I don't know that I have a problem or that I don't know that that is what's causing me to be anxious. Um, this man achieved his earthly goals. Um, I mean, I think in our culture we could say he was killing it. Our culture would say that, right? But when he dies, God says, you fool. Life doesn't come from this stuff. There's um, two different words for life in this passage, and I think it's important for us to know that. The first one Jesus uses in verse 15 when he says, Be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life. And the word there is in Greek is zoe, Z-O-E. One's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Zoe is a word that describes God's life, an abundant life in Jesus Christ. It's the life for which we were created, um, eternal, abundant life. It can't be measured by or satisfied by stuff. We receive it freely and deservedly from God through Jesus. It's, it's relational, not material. It's eternal, not temporal. 
Zoe produces contentment, peace, and joy. Would you like that? Contentment, peace, and joy. Those are kingdom, that's a kingdom life. Be on your guard, Jesus says, against trying to achieve and satisfy Zoe with things. And then in verse 19 and 20, the word for life is no longer Zoe, but Suki. Um, I, in, in the version I read, it was translated soul. Some of your verses may say soul, but that is, it can also be translated life. I will say to my life, life you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Um, and Suki is um, the essence of human life. It's it's, it's the life that we have here and now. The rich man rests all his hopes in things, and, and, and he's confused with temporal realities versus eternal realities. From an earthly perspective, he's killing it. Is he lonely in his isolation? We don't know the backstory of his life, but we do know it in our life if we pay attention. If we pay attention, we know the anxiety that comes when we are completely 100% focused on having a certain amount in the bank. We know the pressure that we and others put on ourselves when our whole goal in life is to get affirmation from other people. We know the angst that we feel when we have to get to a certain place in the places where we work, and if we don't get there, we have this terrible, terrible sense that we're not good enough. And other people are better than we are. If, if the goals are the wrong goals, then we have a pressure to produce and perform and to produce at whatever level the goal is, and to perform, and to produce, and to perform. And we can do that even as Christians. We get, we get this sense of we got to produce for God. we got to perform for God. That's horrible, horrible pressure. And you'll never be good enough. And that's the good news of the gospel. You don't have to be good enough. Jesus is the one who is good enough. And in him, we are already enough. Amen. We are enough. And what we need is grace. Not another word to produce and perform and produce and perform. That'll wreck your life. It'll just wreck your life. We need grace. And where do we find that? In Jesus. We find it in Jesus. Strive for God's kingdom. He, he's very clear. Strive for the kingdom. And I, I wanted to, I loved it that um, we heard the kind of the middle part of the scripture, the part right after what I just read. Um, Jesus is teaching this about the importance about being rich toward God and not um, storing up treasures 
here and now and, and putting all, again, that word all, all our hope in, um, in earthly treasures. And so he goes into this thing, don't worry about this, don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear. Um, and then those beautiful il illustrations from nature. Look at how God provides for the lilies. Look for how God provides for the grass. Look at the ravens. If God cares for them, uh, don't worry. Don't be anxious about stuff. And don't put pressure on yourself to reach goals that you think are going to do what only God can do for you anyway. And then verse 29, um, he says, don't keep striving for what you're to eat, what you're to drink. Don't keep worrying. It's the nations of the world that strive after these things. Your father knows you need them. Instead, strive for the kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Think of, uh, we often think of treasures in this passage as um, financial or material, and, and it rightfully so, right? Because that was the man's problem. But treasures can be anything. I mean, maybe your treasures are not financial or material. M maybe your most important treasures are friends or um, being well thought of or being in good physical shape or um, any number of things that are, again, all good, but if they get out of order, um, it just can wreck us. Even whatever the treasures, if you're storing them up, that's the issue. Um, if you want, if your goal is to get more and more and more of that or maintain what you have and keep it for yourself, it's not a kingdom thing. And we can do that again. We can do that with faith. We can store up spiritual experiences. We can go on retreat after retreat. We can gain insight after insight. And if we never give away what we've learned, and if we never give away what we know to someone who's struggling, how are we any different than this man? The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Philippians, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Pastor John Huffman says, is your goal one-dimensional or does it have an upward dimension? If your goal is about investments or popularity or power or material things, it's not an upward call. If you're not pursuing an upward call, you're playing the commodities market. So, strive for the kingdom. How do you do that? I, I'm just going to suggest three things. I'm sure there are others but three that I think are really important. And the first one is that I think striving, often in our culture we think of that as like working really hard at something, really, really hard at something. But if we look at scripture as a whole, everything in our relationship with God starts with surrendering and giving it up. Trust that God means what he says when he says don't worry. I got your back. And so we open our hands and we give up. Even some of the goals that we have so strongly. We open our hands. That doesn't mean we don't set goals. But when we set goals, we set them prayerfully. We set them 
as best we can according to what we know that God values in the kingdom. One thing to do is listen to how you pray. Listen to the words you say when you pray. Often our prayers are, God, please do this for me. Help me do this. Bless this. Grant this. And often it's a list of things that we have, goals that we have, that we're trying to get God to make happen and bless, right? Now, we can talk to God about anything. I'm not saying never talk to God about the things that are on your heart. Not at all. What I am saying, though, is maybe one of the most important prayers that we can pray every day is something like this. Lord, please give me the knowledge of your will for me. And then give me the courage and the power to carry it out. Give me the knowledge of your will for me. I'm not going to prescribe that for you, God. You tell me. And then give me the, the power and the courage to carry it out. Surrender. Trust God. And receive life as a gift. I mean, that, that's number one. Number two, read the Bible regularly. And here's why. you got to have the values of the kingdom going through your mind. It, it amazes me how careful we can be about what we put in our cars, what, how careful we can be about what we feed our pets, uh, what we put into our own bodies, and how absolutely careless we can be about what we put into our minds. And a lot of what is on social media and TV and our news feeds and um, even our conversations, it's junk. You and you alone are responsible for what you put in your mind. If you read the Bible, observe the character of God. Every time you read the Bible, what is it telling you about God? And what does it tell you about what God values? What, what is the kingdom about? And you're going to see again and again, love, joy, peace, contentment, justice for all, shalom, wholeness, peace, righteousness. And if that is the picture that you keep in your mind, then as you live in this broken world, you can see that and you can begin to live into that. So surrender, trust God, read the Bible. So you've got kingdom stuff going into your mind. And then be generous. Practice generosity. This man did not practice generosity. But it's very clear at the end of, I think it's the end of this chapter. Let me get there. Jesus says, don't be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. Give alms. Give to the poor. Make purses for yourself that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Andy Stanley talks about how, how self-deceived we can be about how generous we are. That, that in denial, a lot of times, we, 
we think we're not rich when we are. <laughs> that in our denial, we think we are more generous than we actually are. I remember years ago, Tom and I sat down and we were brutally honest with ourselves about how much income we had brought in that year. We were sure we were tithing. And we were shocked we were not. Because we'd never really, really been that honest with ourselves. We had little bits of income that came from different places. And, but when we were honest about all of it, and man, I'll just say to you, if you are not giving 10% of your income to the Lord, that would be a kingdom goal for you to set. Whatever, and be honest with yourself where you're at, and then maybe step it up next year, and then step it up the next year until you get to 10%. But then you're at the, the floor of giving in the scripture. Then you, you give above that. And that's when we really start to be generous. So then you give 11% if you can, then 12. And you, you give and you give and you give. That's a kingdom goal. I don't think when most people die and they face God, I don't think they... They say to God, you know, I wish I would have kept more for myself. <laughs> I think most people would say, I wish when I was alive, I was so much less anxious and worried about finances. I wish I was more generous the way God is generous. I wish I trusted God more. Now that I see you face to face, oh. We, um, we had our 40th wedding anniversary yesterday. And um, our kids surprised the heck out of us last night by giving us a surprise party. It was awesome. We have the best kids in the world. And we have the best friends in the world. Two of them are sitting right here in the front row. Um, we got home and my husband looked at me and he said, we are so rich. We're so rich. At the party, I was talking to a friend, and he was telling me that um, he's in a group of, uh, I don't know what, uh, kind of a business group, I, I guess it is, kind of a business fellowship group of people that are multimillionaires. And he said there are three Christians in the group. He's the only one of the three that ever talks about his faith and talks about the Lord. And he um, you have to know this guy, but he does it at every opportunity that he has, and God uses him in mighty, mighty ways. But uh, he was telling me that he was in this conversation with a guy in this group who has no, no children, and somehow that the no children thing gave John a, a, a bridge into talking a, about faith. And he, said, he was telling me his goal is always to tr try to find some way to link people into something about the kingdom. And with this guy, he said, I, uh, can you name six people you know, six younger people you know, that maybe you could call on the phone and offer to mentor? And he, could, he named six people right away. He thought of, immediately of six people. And my friend John said, well, then call him. He said, they'll be so honored that you would want to spend time with them. And he, he said, this guy has now started doing that. And who knows, John said, John told the guy, he said, you know, when you're 70, you might have 
50-year-old friends or 45-year-old, and maybe some of them even will be like children to you. Who knows? But even if not, if you're generous with what you know, if you're generous with what you have, if you're generous with your time, you're beginning to be in the stream of kingdom living. So friends, don't set the wrong goals. Strive for kingdom goals. Be generous. Practice it. Read the scripture regularly so you've got a picture of the kingdom in your front and center. And then surrender and just simply trust God. Please, Lord, give me knowledge of your will for me and give me the courage and the power to carry it out. Pray with me. Lord, thank you.